Happy Sabbath. Today, I want to study about the Sabbath, but not just in any particular way that we have heard before. In fact, I was getting so into this sermon that I had to break it up into two parts. It was getting too long. So this is going to be a two-parter. And as I was telling Ken outside, you know, there is a way you prepare a sermon when you are defending the Sabbath from the outside, right? From people who do not see it your way. However, it's a totally different ball game when you have to prepare and defend the Sabbath from attacks on the inside, from within our own denomination, from within our own self. Now, it's not a big group, but the whispers are seeing, and I could see from far away that those whispers about what we have believed about the Sabbath are going to grow louder as we get closer to the end times, and I think I'll show some verses and some things that will persuade us that those attacks are going to increase as we get further into the end times. In fact, as we know, Jesus' betrayer and the betrayer of Christianity does not come from outside of Christianity, but comes from within Christianity. Judas was part of the inner 12, and yet he betrayed our Lord and Savior. So this first half is going to look at the Sabbath from that lens, but from the Old Testament perspective, and then the next time we gather together, we'll look at it from the New Testament perspective and the last day's perspective. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. It's our verse, it's our first verses we'll look at pertaining to the Sabbath day. The Sabbath as we know it as Seventh-day Adventists is beyond dispute. And the noises that are coming from within aren't attacking what day is a Sabbath, but it's attacking the significance of what it pertains to our people. That's why we worship on this day. In fact, Catholics and other Christians acknowledge that Saturday is the seventh day, that Saturday is the Sabbath, but they come up with other explanations as to why they don't keep it. That's a different sermon for a different day. Today, though, we're going to look at the overview of the Sabbath from the Old Testament that we want to focus on today. And so in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it's very familiar for us, but we're going to perhaps look at it with fresh eyes. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. By the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, from all his work which he had done, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his works which God had created and made. Well, from this account, we're familiar. We establish, we establish several things from this account. One, the Sabbath was the last thing God made, it, and he made it specifically to spend time with his human male and female creation. He made it specifically a 24-hour period to spend intimate time with his people. And he, and the second, well, and then the Bible tells us that he rested on that day, not because he had to, but because he wanted special times. 
They were resting like we do in the complete, Adam and Eve were resting in the completed work of God. Like we learned last week, salvation is not by anything we do, and so was creation. Man did nothing in creation. They were resting, not because they had worked six days, but they were resting in the completed creation work of God, just like we rest in the completed salvation work of God as well. Specifically about the seventh day, God did three things that we Adventists are familiar with. They are the fact that God blessed the seventh day. The blessing on the seventh day implied that it was thereby declared to be a special object of divine favor and a day that would bring a blessing to his creatures. So he blessed it. He sanctified it, set it aside for holy use. And as we learned, he rested from his creative work. Now, those are points of Genesis and the Sabbath that we have heard before and we are familiar. But here's perhaps something that we've never contemplated before, is that from this mention of the seventh day in creation until the next time the Sabbath is even mentioned, goes from Genesis chapter 2 all the way to Exodus chapter 16. Now, in your Bibles and in my Bibles, that's just one book away and 16 chapters away. But in reality, from creation to Exodus 16, it's anywhere between 2,500 days or 3,000 days. And nothing is mentioned again about the Sabbath except for the fact that in Genesis chapter 26, verse 6, it says that Abraham kept my commandments, my laws, and my statutes. The implication we will see from that verse and other verses is that the Sabbath was kept from Genesis all the way until the exile in Egypt. So God did not have to constantly remind his people because they knew, especially the people from before Noah's day, that it was established on the foundation that God is our creator. And he sanctified it, he blessed it, and he rested on the last day of creation. But turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. Not just one book has passed, but anywhere between 2,500 to 3,000 years have passed. And the Sabbath, seventh day, was established. That being said, in Genesis, there, the word Sabbath is not there. All it says, seventh day. And I have heard objections that people say, see, that's not the Sabbath, that's just the seventh day. However, Exodus chapter 16 is the first connection between the Sabbath day and the seventh day. Open your Bibles to Exodus 16, beginning in verse 22. Verse 22. The story is the feeding of the manna, where they were told to gather the manna every morning. And on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much because the seventh day was the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and they should rest. 
if they gathered twice as much on Tuesday, by Wednesday it would rot, showing that they were to depend not two days on the Lord, but daily on the Lord, except for the blessing that came on the Sabbath. So we pick up the story in verse 22. Now on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will, you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, so it's the first connection of the word Sabbath and seventh day, leading us back to creation, not one book ago, but up to 3,000 years ago. He's establishing this fact that the seventh day is the Sabbath. So he says, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Verse 28, then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Now, that would be unfair to say that, if the Sabbath was established just then. You can't tell somebody, how long do you refuse to do something? How long do you refuse to remember something if it wasn't established from a long time ago? And it wasn't just established one book ago. As we have learned, it was established anywhere between 2,500 to 3,000 years ago at creation, the Sabbath day had been kept. But nevertheless, the Egyptians who had come out of Egypt, these God's people, they had been under bondage for so many years that the Sabbath was beginning to fade from their everyday practice because Pharaoh was working them seven days a week. But it's not unfair for God to say, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath or the seventh day. When did he do that? At creation. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of this place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Mind you, for those who disagree with us on the Sabbath, saying that it is just for Israel and, and given at the commandments, the Ten Commandments have yet to be given at this point in the story. The Ten Commandments are not till Exodus chapter 20, four chapters later. Nevertheless, the Lord is saying, how long will you refuse to obey something that Abraham implication because Abraham kept my commandments, my laws, and my statutes. 
And he's reminding them that the seventh day of creation is the Sabbath that you are to keep. At no point in this chapter does the Lord say your seventh day or your Sabbath. He says in verse 30, so the people, no, at verse 29, see the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Who established the Sabbath? The Lord at creation. And so now we've spanned over 3,000 years in which the Sabbath, the seventh day, is the law of God. And so now we go to what well, we're familiar, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, the only commandment that starts with the word remember. Remembering what? The creation story where God and Adam and Eve rested from his completed work. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, once again establishing creation, is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So right there in the fourth commandment, he appeals again, to creation, to the fact that at creation, he blessed it, he sanctified it, and he rested. And it is the only commandment that reminds us that your God, the God we worship, is our creator. The one distinguishing factor of our God, of other gods, is the fact that our God is our creator. He created us out of nothing. And you've heard me say before, if man had never sinned, we would not have needed the cross. However, we would still worship God because he created everything. He is our creator. But nevertheless, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Once again, the Ten Commandments are given to us. But the fourth commandment is a little different at this juncture. So I ask you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. It's no longer remember the Sabbath day, because time has passed since the giving of the Ten Commandments, but it's observe the Sabbath day, right? So it's no longer remember what you have forgotten, now it's Observe that which you've already been told to do. So he says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, harking back to creation, is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, 
And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So at this juncture, it's no longer appealing to creation, but the fact that they were slaves in Egypt. And this has its implication when you fast forward to the New Testament that you and I are twice gods. We are God because he has created us, but we are also gods because he has redeemed us from the slavery of sin at the cross of Jesus Christ. So the Sabbath is not only a reminder of his creative work, but it's the Sabbath is also a reminder of his redemptive work. Either day, every time we come to celebrate, we are reminded that he is both my creator and my redeemer. He created me, he formed me, and he has redeemed me. I am twice his, and the Sabbath is the only commandment that reminds us of that reality. There are other verses in the Bible that I want us to look at that emphasizes the Sabbath. You know, we've always talked about the Ten Commandments and that the Ten Commandments are, as James says, God's law of liberty. It's not a law of hindrance. It's a law of liberty. If we follow God, for the most part, all things being equal, we do live in a sinful world, we will have a better life than most. The peace that passes all understanding and we will live a life with the mental health and hope that one day we will be remade, remade brand new in the image of God. That is the hope that the Ten Commandments and the law of liberty give us. But having to defend the Sabbath now from within, I'm beginning to realize that even though you, if you break one commandment, according to James, you break them all, there is a special place in God's heart for the fourth commandment. It is the only commandment in which he says this. Turn with me to Exodus 31, 13. Exodus 31, 13. I'll begin in verse 12, Exodus 31, 12. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbath, for the Sabbath is a sign between me and you throughout your generation that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Out of all the commandments, he didn't say, do not murder, because not murdering is a sign between me and you that I am the Lord your God. He chose the fourth commandment, and why would he do that? Because the fourth commandment is the only commandment that takes us back to creation and takes us back to the threefold formula that he blessed it, he sanctified it, and he rested. And as we learned in the Ten Commandments in Exodus and the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, the first one is a reminder that we are his by creation, and the second, command, second of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, the second list, we are reminded that we are also his by redemption. And so therefore, he picks the fourth commandment 
as the binder of the two other, of the rest of the commandments are, are bound together like a bow held together by the fourth commandment that reminds us that he is the creator of heavens and earth, that he is your creator and he is also your redeemer. But it's not the only time he says this. Exodus, Ezekiel 20, 12. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel 20, 12. Ezekiel 20, 12. Beginning, I'll start in beginning in verse 10. 20, 10. Ezekiel 20, 10. So I took them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and informed them of my ordinances by which if a man observes them, he will live. Also, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Once again, he chooses the fourth commandment out of all the commandments as the sign between you and me that I am the one who sanctifies you, that I bless you, I sanctify you, and I give you rest, sanctification. They came from slavery of, of Egypt. We come from slavery to sin. And when you picture the word sanctify, picture a kid that fell in the mud and a parent is cleaning them up. And then the next time you see them, they're in their Sabbath best shining like a brand new dog. And that's what the Lord is doing. And that's what the Sabbath is assigned for. In the same chapter, verse 20, once again, he repeats it. Well, I'll start in 19. Well, I'll start in 18. I said to their children in the wilderness, do, do, not, walk, do not walk in the statues of your fathers or keep their ordinances or defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances and observe them, sanctify my Sabbath and they shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. There's a slight difference here. Now he's asking us to sanctify his Sabbath where in the previous two, he says, I give you the Sabbath that I may sanctify you. Now he's calling you and me to keep his Sabbath, and it'll be a sanctifying agent in our lives. It'll be a sign between me and him. And by keeping his Sabbath, by sanctifying his Sabbath, you will know who the true God is, because it says here that you may know that I am the Lord, your God. Now it becomes personal. He sanctifies you, but if you sanctify the Sabbath, there's that union, and you will come to the realization that the God who created the heavens and the earth is the true God, the God that we are to worship, the God given to us in Scripture. There are other verses that I want to look up before we continue here and wrap it up. Look at Nehemiah 9.14. Nehemiah 9.14. Nehemiah 9.14. Nehemiah reminds us 
Let me give you the background to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the church was starting to have a revival, and he was leading this revival. But they still were stuck in some of their old ways, and they constantly had to be reminded to get back to sanctifying the Sabbath that we saw. Verse 14 says, So you made known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments, statutes, and law through your servant Moses. So this is not something new. Moses, obviously, who wrote Genesis, reminds us that this comes all the way from creation. But look at the troubles Nehemiah was having. Look at chapter 13, beginning in verse 15. In those days, I saw in Judah some who were treading wine press on the Sabbath. Remember, you're not to do any work, or you or your household. And bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys as well as wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads. And they brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, so I admonished them on the day they sold food. Also, men of Tyre were living there who imported fish and all kinds of merchandise and sold them to the sons of Judah on the Sabbath, even in Jerusalem. Then I reprimanded the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do the same so that our God brought on us and on this city all this trouble? Yet you are adding to the wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was a constant battle. So from Genesis to the Exodus, it's about 3,000 years. But from the Exodus to this time in Nehemiah, it's about another 1,000 years. So we have anywhere between 3,500 to 4,000 years where God's people are struggling to keep the Sabbath. They're struggling to do what God has commanded them to do. They're struggling, mind you, the weirdness of it, they're struggling to receive the blessing and the sanctification and the rest that God is offering because too often in our lives, we want to do it our way and not God's way. And God is offering us a blessing, a sanctification, and rest for our spiritual souls if we honor his seventh day. So we're not talking about several books because we tend to read it Genesis to Nehemiah oh that's only this part of the Bible we're looking at about 2,500 to 4,000 years of history that God is asking his people to honor the Sabbath day we're about to wrap up here turn with me to Isaiah chapter 56 Isaiah chapter 56 Verses 2 through 6. Well, I'll start in one. Then the Lord said, Preserve justice and do righteous, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness is about to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath and chooses what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than the sons and daughters. 
I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigner who joins himself to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servant, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and hold fast my covenant. So what is God saying? Even in ancient Jewish time, he's saying even if the Gentile comes, even if the foreigner comes and he honors my Sabbath, I will, it implied, make them better than some sons and daughters who do not keep the Sabbath. I will graft them in. I will make them mine. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him, Jew or Gentile, whoever will honor his Sabbath, God will honor them and he will bless them, sanctify them, give them rest, and invite them into the family of God. But people will say, but this is for Jews. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9 that the true Israelite is not one of come from blood, one that comes from blood, but the true Israelite is those that do the will of God. So you and I are true Israelites because it's not about blood lineage. It's about being faithful to the God who made heaven and earth and rested on the seventh day. Look at Isaiah 58, verse 13. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting desisting from your ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take a delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If we make the Sabbath a delight, he has promised to give you the inheritance that he had promised to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. The Sabbath day stands out from the Ten Commandments because it is a reminder that he is both your creator and your redeemer. And not man, not the Seventh-day Adventist church, but God himself has made it a sign between you and God that he is the Lord that blesses you, that sanctifies you, and gives you rest. By the time you get to Isaiah and the Old Testament, there's 4,000 years of establishing the Sabbath day. And throughout Genesis, through the last book of the Old Testament, there's this constant battle that the enemy is getting people to profane the Sabbath, and God is reminding them to keep the Sabbath. But it's not just 4,000 years. Turn with me to our last verse of the day in Isaiah 66, 23. And it shall be from one new moon to new moon 
from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. And if you look at chapter 66, it's talking about the new earth. It's talking about in eternity. So not only do we have 4,000 years of Old Testament history, here is a prophecy of eternity. Yet people want to tell me that somehow in the New Testament, the Sabbath has less significance than it does in all eternity and for 4,000 years. We'll close with this. Remember that in the Ten Commandments given in Exodus, but you can deduce this from the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy as well. He told them, remember the Sabbath day. Why? We alluded to it. But after 400 plus years of slavery, of defacing the image of God in them by Pharaoh, they were in danger of forgetting the God who created them. So much so that just a little bit later on, after receiving the Ten Commandments, they make a golden calf saying, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Is it possible and plausible that before the exodus from this earth to our Canaan in heaven, that the Pharaoh of this world, Satan, is trying to get people to forget God's seventh day Sabbath. And like Moses and Aaron, you and I have been called people to call people back to the creator of heavens and earth. How do we know that? We'll look more at it in part two of this sermon is that the first of the three angels' message is worship him who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But it's sad that the attacks and the significance of the Sabbath are now starting to come from within the church because we've been defending the attacks on the Sabbath outside the church for so long. But it's now coming from within. The people who were leading Israel astray on the Sabbath, were they mainly outsiders or insiders? They were insiders. People who weren't converted, leading people away from God to worship idols. Judas came from the inside. The medieval church is implied, is claims to be Christian. It's a church. It comes from the inside. May God give us the strength to remain faithful, not to the Sabbath day, but to the God who sanctified, blessed it, and gives me the rest. To the God who left all of heaven and created me and redeemed me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the Sabbath day, for God is the only God, the God of the seventh day, who will sanctify you, bless you, and give you eternal rest.